You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Acts. Come you sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now. If we're to conquer worry and experience this secure mind that we have in Christ Jesus, I believe that this is the secure mind that Paul had on the way to Caesarea. But we must meet the conditions of the Lord that he has laid out for us. We must pray. We must present our supplications before the Lord with thanksgiving. Those are the the antidote here. We must be thankful and confident that knowing that God hears our prayers and will answer us according to his will and to his purpose. This should give us security. Having a spirit of worry and fear can be one of the most detrimental forces in our walk. As many of us are aware, getting rid of our worries and fears isn't as simple as turning off a switch. In today's message, Pastor Dave teaches us that our power over fear and anxiety comes from none other than prayer and faith in God's Word. Now here's Pastor Dave with part two of today's message entitled, The Fourth Journey Begins in Peace. In the middle of the night, I'll wake up. And then as I'm trying to get back to sleep, my brain starts to go about 9,000 miles an hour. And the what-ifs come in. And all these problems come in. I'm like, and you're like, wait a minute. It's a great time to cry out to the Lord. It's a great time to cry out, Lord, you've you got to help me through this. I don't want to be anxious. I know when I'm not, I'm not supposed to be anxious. The what-ifs, oh my gosh. But I don't believe Paul was anxious. I don't believe Paul was anxious a bit because he knew what Jesus had told him. He was confident in that. He was thinking about that. He had peace. Paul trusted in Christ to see him through what was going on him. If you save that 2 Corinthians spot, 2 Corinthians 4, why don't you turn there for a minute? In 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 7 through 15, Paul describes what sounds like to be a hurricane. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus and the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to it is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Wow. Paul knew what it meant to be perplexed. He knew what it meant to be hard-pressed. He knew what it meant to be forsaken, to be persecuted. But none of these things moved him. None of these things caused him any worry. He was not anxious. Paul did not have anxiety because he trusted fully in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knew that whatever happened was the Lord's will and everything was going to happen according to his purpose. I believe that's how come he could write in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. You know the scripture. You have it glued to your refrigerator somewhere. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. 
What a wonderful verse. And we go around and we say that verse over and over again. And we tell somebody, oh, be anxious for nothing. But do you live that verse? And I have to stand before you and say, there are times when I do and there are times when I don't. And unfortunately, sometimes it seems like the times that I don't live that verse are more than the times that I do. And I have to be honest with you. But what was Paul saying to the Philippians here? He is saying that worry, anxiety, is the greatest thief of our joy. It's the greatest thief of our joy, and it steals us because Paul had spent the entire letter to the Philippian church describing what is joy because Philippians is called the epistle of joy. And he's describing this joy that we have in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This beautiful thing. And we went through Philippians. Paul was telling them, rejoice in the Lord. But it's just not enough for us, however, to tell ourselves, quit worrying. I don't care how many times you listen to Bobby Farron, don't worry, be happy. It don't work. You can tell yourself that millions of times. Don't worry, be happy. Oh, yeah, don't worry, be happy. It just doesn't seem to work. It doesn't seem to work because we need to capture it like the thief. Worry's an inside job. Worry's something that's happening on the inside, and it takes more than good intentions to get the victory. And we all have great intentions. Don't worry, be happy. What, me worry? I read mad. I had to throw that in. If we're to conquer worry and experience this secure mind that we have in Christ Jesus, I believe that this is the secure mind that Paul had on the way to Caesarea. But we must meet the conditions of the Lord that he has laid out for us. We must pray. We must present our supplications before the Lord with thanksgiving. Those are the, the antidote here. We must be thankful and confident that knowing that God hears our prayers and will answer us according to his will and to his purpose. This should give us security. I believe Paul had this security on his way to Caesarea, on that long, lonesome ride. I believe he had this security. We should have this secure mind, and this secure mind that we have in Jesus Christ is the antidote for worry. It's the antidote for anxiousness. Be anxious for nothing. Sometimes in my life, I'm anxious for everything. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm anxious about it. He says, be anxious for nothing. But let your requests be known to God and his peace, the peace of God, it surpasses all understanding. Look what it's going to do for you. It's going to guard your heart and it's going to guard your mind. It's going to guard wrong thinking and wrong feeling. It's going to guard that. I liken God's peace to this. It's a soldier standing guard and protecting your heart and your mind. God's peace is a soldier standing, protecting your heart and your mind. What is it protecting it from? It's protecting it from anxiety and worry. You know, here Paul was surrounded by soldiers, 470 of them on the way to uh, Antipatris. But Paul was confident because he knew and he was infused with the soldier of God, Jesus Christ. Paul had the one who mattered, not the 470. He had the one that mattered. See, having the peace of God involves both the heart and the mind, like I said. Look what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. You, talking to the Lord, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. Trust in the Lord. I don't have the peace when I'm involved in wrong thinking, and that's what happens to me, it happens to me in the middle of the night. I get involved in wrong thinking. I start thinking about the wrong thing, the what-ifs. Wrong thinkings lead to wrong feeling. And before long, my heart and my mind are pulled apart 
and I'm strangled with worry. I'm strangled with worry. We must realize that our thoughts are real and powerful. Even though they can't be seen, weighed, or measured, our thoughts are powerful, very powerful. What did Paul tell the church of Corinth to do with their thoughts? 2 Corinthians 10.5, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bring the thought into captivity of Christ. When that, when that thought starts to come in, you bring it into the captivity of Christ. Christ paid for that sin. Christ paid for that. Christ died for that. I'm in Christ. I'm Christ. I'm his child. I'm, I'm God's child, the king's kid. When we think of bringing the thoughts into captivity, we think of a battlefield where one force overtakes the other and captures them. And that's what's happening. Now the area of the battlefield is the imagination of man and his thoughts. This is where the battlefield is, guys. This is where the battlefield is. Satan battles you in your mind. The spiritual battles are waged in your mind. They're waged right here. Satan wants to know, has God really said that? Does God really know this? How are you sure it's God? Is there knowledge in the most high God? Does God really see what's going on in your life? Does God really care? Has God really forgiven you? And you were thrown, all these questions come out. And that's what Satan does in your mind. You know, we walk in this body, in this flesh, but the real war doesn't take place there. It takes place in our spirit for control of our mind. It takes place in our spirit. It's a spiritual battle for the control of my mind. If I have the mind of the flesh, guess what? I'm going to reap corruption. If I have the mind of the spirit, guess what? I'm going to reap life and joy and peace of the Holy Spirit. The battle is in the mind, and Satan wants to captivate your mind. Look at the world around us. There are so many tools that Satan has to use to captivate our mind and plant things in our mind that would take you away from the Lord. Look at the abundance and the availability of pornography. Look at the abundance and the availability of all these things on TV that constantly come before your eyes and smash your head. Look at them. See, he's working overtime to bring things to capture your mind. He's working overtime to bring things that would capture your mind and keep you prisoner keep you away from Christ. We've got to stand strong in what we know and what we believe. We've got to stand strong in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit against these onslaughts. Satan will always be throwing these things at us, always be coming at you. We've got to stand strong when we find ourselves being pulled away, when we find things being pulled away. You know I have the greatest weapon against, I have two great weapons against pornography that I can think of. The first greatest weapon I have is my relationship with Jesus Christ. But I, as a man, have a built-in weapon. Can I show it to you? That's my greatest weapon. That's the greatest weapon I have. Don't look. Close your eyes. Greatest weapon I have against the tongue. Keep my mouth shut. See, we have these built-in weapons that we don't use them. Paul wants you to have this secure mind. Paul had this secure mind. He was free from worry. He was free from anxiety. He says, I want you to do what is right thinking. And what do I want you to do? And he tells us in Philippians 4, verse 8, he tells you what you're supposed to do. He says, you're supposed to meditate on these things. When worry starts to come in, when worry starts to take your mind off of him, when worry starts to take your mind and, and wander around and you start getting strangled, Paul says, worry, no, excuse me. He says, think about these things. Meditate on these things. What things? Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, 
Whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if anything is praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We see the beautiful characteristics of God right here. Beautiful characteristics of God that we're going to meditate on. And they can be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Paul says, meditate on Christ. Meditate on these things. Meditating means to dwell upon. It means to think about it over and over and over and let those thoughts fill your mind. Those thoughts will fill your mind and will drive out the other thoughts. Those thoughts will fill your mind and give you peace. And remember, we said meditating is like the cow chewing its cud, real slowly sitting there and jawing up, enjoying every single piece of juice that's in there. That's what we do with the Word of God. And that's where we find these things. We look at it, we read it, and we read it slowly, and we meditate on it and let it consume our body, and we enjoy it, and we love it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that he's good. Meditate on these things. If you want to conquer worry, if you want to experience this this secure mind, we have to meet the conditions that God laid down for us. So as we meditate on those things, our hearts and minds become one with Jesus Christ. And when your hearts or mind are one with Jesus Christ, I can guarantee your actions will follow. Your actions will follow. Your actions will follow your heart and your mind. You cannot be meditating on these things. You cannot be fully meditating on the Word of God and have your actions match. It doesn't work that way. In verse 9 of the same chapter, chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is our example. He's just been through the first part of the hurricane. He's just been through a storm of all sorts, all to the point of death. And here he is on some slow horse on his way to Caesarea, sitting there, nothing but time to think, nothing but time to get anxious, nothing but time to worry. But he doesn't worry. He was holding on to the tight promises of Christ because he was meditating on Christ. He would see Rome. He knew it. Christ told him. He would testify of Jesus. He knew it. Christ told him. He knew that would happen. He didn't know how he would get there. He didn't know when he would get there. But that wasn't his problem. That's what I love about this. It wasn't his problem. It wasn't his problem. People say to me, well, Dave, aren't you worried about attendance of the church? Well, sure, as a pastor, I'm worried about attendance of the church, but it's not my problem. What do you mean it's not your problem? You're the pastor. Well, read Acts 2.47. Acts 2.47, and the Lord added to the church daily those who would be saved. Takes all the pressure off me. It's his job, not my job. Paul's the example of this, of this mindset, the secure mindset. His heart and his mind are stayed on Christ. His heart and his mind know Christ to the point of, of just loving every minute of it. But the peace of God takes us even further. It takes us even further into his blessings. When I say the peace of God and you have the peace of God, it doesn't mean you will be absent from outside trials. It doesn't mean the hurricane won't come. I can guarantee the hurricane will come. I can't stand up here and promise you a rose garden. I can't stand up here and promise you a wonderful life free from trial, free from error, free from problems. If you accept Jesus Christ, that would be wrong of me and it's not scriptural. I can't do it. Sorry. In fact, I can promise you problems. <laughs> Christ said in this world, you will have tribulation. He didn't say in this world, you might have a little problem here and there. No, he said in this world, you will have tribulations. What I can promise you. 
But I believe this is what Paul was experiencing on his way to Caesarea. I believe he was experiencing this peace of God. And I believe it was driving the soldiers crazy. It was driving them crazy because they couldn't see the anxiety in him. And he was just copping along, and he probably even spoke about Jesus every now and then. You ride by him. I'm not going to ride by that guy. All he talks about is this Christ character. You ride by him. I can see him switching off back and forth, trying to ride next to Paul, 37 miles. Back in those days, how long did it take? I bet it took a long time. But it took a good day, a good long day, to go 37 miles on horseback. No, it's your turn to sit next to Paul. I sat with the last hour. You sit with him. Because he's probably always talking about Christ. He's always talking about the Lord. I told you to turn to Daniel 6 because we see another great illustration of this exact thing that I'm talking about in Daniel 6. Daniel 6 gives us a wonderful illustration of what we're talking about. The king announces that nobody can pray to anyone except the king. As soon as Daniel, does, as soon as Daniel hears this, he goes up to his room, opens up, open up the windows, and starts praying to the Lord. And he does this three times a day. You can see that in verses 1 through 10. As soon as the king announces that nobody can pray to anybody but him, Daniel goes up to his room and continues to pray three times a day. Note how Daniel prayed. In verse 10 of chapter 6, it says, He prayed and gave thanks before God. Prayer with thanksgiving. He prayed and gave thanks before God. Verse 11, he made supplication. So here we have the formula, the antidote to this worry and this fear. Prayer, thanksgiving with, supplica with supplication, with thanksgiving. It's right here. We have this beautiful picture. What was the result of all this? He had peace in the midst of difficulty. He was serving his God and nothing could move him. You know the rest of the story. You know the rest of the story. Somebody finds out there's always a rat. There's always somebody sneaking around. There's always somebody sneaking around, looking around the corner going, yeah, I'm going to, yeah. There's always somebody, right? So Satan sets this thing up. We're going to take care of you, Daniel. And he has a spy. A spy goes, tells the king, oh, king, oh, gracious king, oh, wonderful king, we love you, love you, love you. Oh, by, by the way, Daniel's praying to his God. The king comes up. He gets mad at Daniel. You know what happens. He throws Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel's in the lion's den. But Daniel's able to spend the entire night with the lions in perfect peace. I love this. He's able to spend the entire night with the lions in perfect peace because he has that peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And he knows God is protecting him, and the lions don't even bother him. The only one to lose sleep that night was the king. Look at verse 18. The king was the only one that lost sleep because he was worried about Daniel in the den. I love that great story. But here you see a perfect example of trusting in God, of trusting in God, not knowing what was going to happen next, but trusting in God and knowing that God would do what he says he does. This is the peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that is mind-boggling. You're in the midst of extreme trial. You're in the midst of a crazy circumstance. It's just like Paul. He just came within an inch of death, and they're still after him. And he doesn't know what's going to happen. He still could be condemned to murder up, up there, but he knows the Lord is with him. Daniel was condemned to murder, but the Lord was with him and nothing happened. But this is the peace that Paul had. He wasn't trusting in his escort for protection. He was trusting in the Lord Jesus for protection. This kind of peace will show people the life of the Savior in you. This kind of peace is attractive to people. This is the kind of peace that people want when they see you going through a trial, going through a circumstances, and you're exhibiting this kind of peace. People will come to you and go, what is wrong with you? Why are you so calm in the midst of this crazy time? You just lost your job. And you get to tell them about Christ. You might not even know you're exhibiting this peace because I've had this time before. 
I've been in the midst of a circumstance before when somebody came to me and go, man, you're really peaceful about this. I, really? I thought I was moaning and groaning like a little girl. I thought I was whining and crying. But they saw Christ. They saw this peace that surpasses all understanding. It's not a knowledgeable peace. You know, I hate to say this, but pretty soon you'll see decorations and Christmas trees and things like that. But during that time, everybody wants peace on earth. You know, peace on earth begins with our peace in our heart and our mind. If everybody had the love of Jesus Christ and the peace of God within them, the world would truly have peace. It would be truly a wonderful time. I kind of ask you the question, do you have that kind of peace in your heart today? You might even be wondering, how do I get this peace? How do I, how do I glean for this and get this peace? But I got to tell you that you first, you can't experience the peace of God until you make peace with God. You need to make peace with God before you experience the peace of God. If you haven't accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, if you haven't confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't believed that God raised him from the dead, you're at enmity with God. You're either for him or you're against him. If you're in that in-between, you've already decided. See, the way to get the peace with God is to accept Christ's work on the cross as payment for your sin. You know, Ephesians tells us that Christ is our peace. He broke down the wall, every wall, because he abolished in the flesh the enmity, the ward, the law of commandments contained in the audience. And so he created in himself one new man, and he made peace. Why? That he might reconcile both back to God through the cross. He put the death, the enmity. You know, through Jesus Christ, we have this peace. Well, how do I get this peace? Jesus made it quite clear to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. This is what gives you the peace with God. This is where you get that peace with God. And then when you have this peace of God, God bestows upon you this gift and reminds us that it is a gift of God, the peace of God. It's his peace that comes upon you. I read a lot of Spurgeon, and he's quite profound. He says, what is God's peace? It is the unruffled serenity of an infinite happy God, the eternal composure of an absolutely well-contented God. I, like that. I want that peace. I want that in my heart. I want to be infinitely happy. I want to be, I want to be contented with what, what I have and who I am and what Christ has made me and what Christ is doing in my life. I want that peace, don't you? Don't you want that peace? If you don't have that peace today, maybe you've been through a storm. Maybe you're just kind of in a lull and you, in the back of your mind going, okay, when's the next shoe going to drop? When's the next storm coming out? You know, I always tell people, you're either going into a storm or you're coming out of one. It's usually the way it works these days. It's just for some reason. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. We pray. We present our request to God. We give him our supplications with thanksgiving, being thankful for all things, being thankful for everything, and his peace washes over us. If you've ever been in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a storm, when God's peace washed over you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. Maybe you're going through that. Maybe you haven't made peace with God yet, which is why you can't understand the peace of God. That's where you need to start. You need to start with making yourself right with God through Jesus Christ. Having peace with God brings the peace of God. Well, that's all the time we have for today here on Cape Watch Radio with Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. 
Don't forget to join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. Now, as we mentioned at the beginning of today's program, we'd like to make available to you a free copy of today's message. We can send you a copy of today's message on audio CD when you email us at info at capewatchradio.com. That's info at capewatchradio.com. Or you can listen to or download the message as originally recorded at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Just visit our website at www.capewatchradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place your order, you can always call us at 609-884-5821. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that toll-free number is 609-884-5821. Again, we invite you to visit our website at www.capewatchradio.com. where we provide helpful information about our beliefs, service times, and a convenient map to our church. You can also email us with any questions or comments you might have. And that address again is info at capewatchradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the Irma, New Jersey area and would like to visit us, Calvary Chapel Cape May is located at 596 Seashore Road in Irma, New Jersey. Cape Watch Radio is the radio ministry of Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel Cape May. Please join us next time as we continue our study through the book of Acts. That's next time on Cape Watch Radio.